This time we're going to have our scripture. The topic of our scripture today is I am the light. If you'd like to follow along, you'll find it on page 1109 in the Bible in the back of the pew. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That was so loud it about blew your socks off. Don't bl- don't blame uh, Larry back there. I told him crank it up. I want y'all alive in here. I'm going to start off by um, reading something, some thoughts by a very wise man, some thoughts by uh, that are very old thoughts. And thoughts that a lot of us can identify with in some way, shape, or form from a very ancient book. It says, Smoke. Nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. That's what there is to show for a lifetime of work. A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone. One generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet Earth. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. Then it does it again and again. Same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north. Around and around it blows this way, then that. The rivers flow into the sea, but the sea never fills up. Everything is boring utterly boring no one can find any meaning in it there's no there's nothing new on this earth year after year it's the same old thing does someone call out hey this is new well don't get excited it's just the same old story I said to myself let's go for it experiment with pleasure have a good time but there was nothing to it nothing but smoke I did great things I prospered, 
Then I took a look at everything I'd done, all that I had accomplished, all my sweat and hard work. And then I looked and I saw nothing but smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. I hate life. As far as I can see, what happens on earth is a bad business. It's smoke and spitting into the wind. And that's when I called it quits and gave up on everything that could be hoped for on this earth. What's the point of working your fingers to the bone if you hand over what you worked for to someone who never lifted a finger for it? Smoke, that's what it is. Would you believe me if I told you those encouraging words came from the book called Ecclesiastes. It's found in the Old Testament of your Bible. Those words are found in your Bible. Now some of you thought that the Bible was only full of feel-good advice or self-help advice or things like that to make people feel better about themselves or you know, to use a crutch, as some people call religion and the Bible. And maybe you didn't realize how straight the Bible shoots sometimes. And that's one of the things that I love about God's Word, is it's full of the good and the bad and the ugly and all the in-between, and it shoots straight with you. About life, about the struggles that people deal with. The guy that wrote Ecclesiastes was a guy who started out on the right path and he kind of lost his way for a while. Didn't find it again till towards the end of his life. And along the way, he sought to live life for himself. And he pursued pleasure, like he said. He pursued material gain and power. And he accomplished it as well as anyone ever has. He's one of the most famous kings that ever lived, and his name is Solomon. And he's kind of ultimate proof, I think, of what we commonly experience in humanity. This sense that we come across, we all come up against it at some point, of what's the point of this life? Whether we're a Christian or not, we we run into times where we feel like there's not much meaning in our life, not much purpose to it and we wake up in the morning and we say why bother even getting out of bed let's just be honest for a minute we've all been there at some point where we wonder if there's any really purpose to our life what does it matter whether I live another day what does it matter whether I go to work and do this same old job again today and Solomon voiced that concern and here's a man who, when it comes to pursuing things for ourselves, was as successful as you could be. Fame, glory, money, all the stuff that we crave. He accomplished. And yet he still wrote down, I did all that and it was still worthless. And I still didn't have any meaning in my life. And I still didn't have a sense of fulfillment or purpose in my life. So we have that in common with each other and we have it in common with Solomon. But I believe scripture teaches there's a way out of that sense of meaningless, that sense of darkness. There's a way into light and that is the topic of our message today. Thank goodness, right? Because 
that's about the most depressing sermon intro you've ever heard. And some of you were thinking, now why do I come to church? <laughs> I thought it was to be encouraged, and here we are talking about the gloominess, depressing things of life. We're in a series called Let There Be Light. A series that looks at this metaphor of light and dark. It's one of the greatest metaphors in human history. It's something that we've all understood through all the ages and across cultures. Everyone understands this metaphor of light and dark. That light represents things that are good. That dark represents things that are bad. And we've all experienced light since the dawn of time. Every day, every 24 hours, we experience light and we experience dark in a literal sense. And in our lives, though, as we go through life, we each experience moments and seasons of light and times of darkness as well. And so everyone identifies with this metaphor. Maybe that's why God chose it, to be one of His top metaphors throughout Scripture. When you look at the very first page of Scripture to the last pages of Scripture, you'll see this metaphor of light running through it. And God uses it to explain a lot of things to us that are otherwise hard to understand. A lot of spiritual truths that He uses this metaphor of light and dark to explain things to us. And last week, we looked at the creation story. Genesis chapter 1. It said everything was dark, and into that darkness God spoke, and He said, let there be light, and there was light. And we talked about how in moments of darkness in our life, we would do well to remember that our God is the God who says, let there be light. And there's always hope. This week, we read in John... The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And that creation story was brought up again. But along with it, so much more. And this metaphor of light came up again. Now we found that in in a book called John. And John is the fourth gospel in our New Testament. And gospel is a very religious term nowadays in our Western culture. It gets thrown around for kinds of music. It gets thrown around for kinds of churches. It gets thrown around in lots of different ways. And gospel has become a religious term, but it wasn't always that way. And when the church began using the word gospel, it was a common secular term. And it simply referred to the announcements, the victorious announcements of a king and his kingdom. The things that they had accomplished and done, the victories seized, the stories. This was the gospel. And that's what we mean when we say it's a gospel. It's the announcement of our king and his kingdom. It's the stories of what he did, how he lived, and how he ushered in a new way of life and new life itself. And the person that we uh, traditionally ascribe this particular gospel to is the Apostle John. And John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He, in the very most innermost circle of Jesus' friends and disciples, that's where John was. And he 
experienced as much as anyone did of Jesus' life and ministry and of his sufferings, of his death, of his resurrection, and even his ascension back into heaven. And this Jesus' experience that John had transformed him so much that he would give his whole life's work to the cause of sharing this gospel with everyone he could, even if it meant putting his life at risk, which it did, and he was eventually exiled. But still he was faithful. And this John writes that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as we continue reading, we realize that this Word he's talking about with a capital W is the person of Jesus. And he's using Word as a metaphor for Jesus. And then that metaphor shifts into the one we've been talking about. And he says that he was the light. If you have that Bible still open by chance, you can turn to it again. If not, you can just listen. But it said, he began to refer to him as the light. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And he talks about how John, this John the Baptist, is kind of maybe in some ways a little bit of a figure that's hard for us to understand, but was so important in that Jewish community into which Jesus was born and paving the way for Jesus. And John taught that there was a light coming. And he said that he himself was not the light, but he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And I want you to catch in verse 4 what he says. It says, in him, in Jesus, in that word, was life. And that life was the light of men. We hear the word life a lot in scripture, especially in the New Testament, don't we? And sometimes, you know, it makes you kind of scratch your head because we use that word life in a lot of different ways. And it kind of makes you wonder, what does he mean by life? Or that that light was the life of men. Or that life was the light of men. What does he mean by life? What kind of life? Like breathing, heart beating, brain working kind of life? Like the scientific life? Or, or maybe eternal life? Because we know that Jesus taught that we would have eternal life in him. Or maybe he meant like get a life, you know. <laughs> we use life that way too. Why don't you get a life? And actually I think that's on to something. Because when Jesus talks about life, he's not just talking about eternal life. He's talking about an abundance of life. A full kind of life. A life full of meaning and purpose and passion and Fulfillment. So how do we get that kind of life? Because it said that Jesus ushered it in when he came as the light of the world, but it doesn't tell us much more in the way of instruction. But thankfully, Jesus gives us 
some guidance on that a few pages over in the 8th chapter of John. And there's this really neat setting that scholars believe that when Jesus shared this verse that I'm about to share with you, when he spoke these words, they weren't a verse, they were him teaching. And he was standing in the temple at the end of a festival that they called the Festival of Tabernacles. And it was another one of those big festivals in the life of the Jewish people where people traveled from Jews traveled and from all over the place to gather in Jerusalem at this temple for a week-long festival. And as many of their festivals did, it had a lot to do with the Exodus and the Passover and those big stories from the Old Testament where Moses delivered the people from Pharaoh. And at the end of that festival, it involved lighting a lot of torches and firelight and And it's interesting to think that perhaps Jesus was standing in the temple on the eve of the close of this festival and there would have been great torches lit within the gates, within the courts of this temple. And you have to picture just a grand place, huge pillars, great stones that paved the ground and a lot of people there. And the torchlight flickering. And in this setting, Jesus delivers one of his great I am statements. He has several of these, and whenever he would say them, it was a pretty bold thing because for his Jewish audience, they knew what I am meant. Because when Moses, long ago, asked God for his name, that's how God responded. I am that I am. So when Jesus would make these bold statements, it was a little bolder than we even realize for that time and day. But here's what he said in verse 12 of chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again, I'll put it up on the screen too in case. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Imagine the setting. Are you picturing it? And he speaks to him and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There it is again, the light of life. Something we all crave, isn't it? A fulfilling life, a life of purpose and meaning. That's what we all crave. That's a common human experience that we all have because we'll just look at what happens when people lose that sense of purpose and fulfillment, meaning in their life. They fall into depression, thoughts and acts of suicide. These are real things that real people face in our very real world. And so when Jesus offers us the light of life, and he offers us abundant life, this is something that we should stand up and take notice of. Because this is a very real need in our world. And if you aren't facing that kind of darkness in your life right now, 
Chances are you will at some point. And here in this verse, he tells us how we get this light of life. Whoever, what? Follows me. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So how do we get this life? We follow Jesus. What does he mean by that? It means we start living our lives for him. We make him our king. Our lives are lived for him instead of for ourselves. Because let's face it, our natural inclination isn't to live our lives for other people, is it? I mean, we're born into this world. And by the age of two, we're having power struggles with our parents, right? <laughs> we, we say things like, mine, mine, mine. And as we grow older, we're still kind of in power struggles we still are saying, mine, mine, mine. When we save our money to buy the things that we think will give us pleasure in life. And we seek relationships with people who we hope will give us pleasure in life. That's why we get married. Or for some of us, that's why we don't get married. <laughs> We're trying to find something that will give us some sense of purpose or fulfillment. We have kids sometimes to try and give ourselves fulfillment. And we try and we live our lives for ourselves and time and time again it doesn't work out. And Jesus teaches that if we live for ourselves we'll only find darkness. And we'll only end up back in the same place that Solomon ended up in where we're saying it's all smoke. It's nothing. I tried that life and what, do I, what did I gain for it? But, he says, if we live our lives for him instead of for ourselves, suddenly we'll find the light of life. And here's the statement, the big statement I want you to catch and take home with you today, and it's on your note card in your bulletin. To leave a meaningless life of dark, of darkness, for a fulfilling life of light, We have to begin to live our lives for the one who is the light. To leave a meaningless life of darkness for a fulfilling life of light, we have to begin living our lives for the one who is the light. That's all well and good, but how practically do we do that? Well, they once asked Jesus what the greatest command in all scriptures was. And that's a good question because when you read, especially the Old Testament, but even the New Testament, there's just a lot of instruction there, right? There's lots of guidelines and rules and commands and tips on how to live your life God's way. And so I'm really glad that someone, even if their motives weren't that great, said to Jesus, what's the greatest command? Because he boiled it down for us, real simple. And he said, well, there's really two things. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second one is 
like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God. Loving people. This is how we live our life for Jesus Christ. Worshiping God. Serving people. Look at Jesus' own life. Isn't that about what it consisted of? That's how we follow Jesus. That's how we live our lives for Jesus. Let's get even more practical. I think that what this means fundamentally is we have to start changing some of our life questions. For instance, you know, at, at home, instead of asking how, what can my spouse do to make me happy or what can my parents do to make me happy? Because we all ask those questions, don't we? We ask them whenever we're thinking and saying things like, why don't they just do this? And why wouldn't they just do that? It would make me, my life a lot better. And instead, begin asking the question of, how could I make my spouse happy? What could I do to make my parents happy? It just changes the perspective. Or uh, in, in your work setting, you know, what, instead of saying, what could my boss or what could my coworkers do to make me happy? You know, obviously a raise wouldn't, would be nice, you know, promotion. But starting to ask the question of, hey, today as I go in to work on Monday morning tomorrow, or I go to school tomorrow, what could I do to make my coworkers happy? What could I do to make my boss happy? This is the mindset of a Christ follower. It's not just about ourselves. Or consider church. We're here, so let's talk about it. We come here sometimes, and, and, and our mindset is, what am I going to get out of church today? How am I going to be encouraged at church today? And if things don't line up a certain way, then I, you know, I got nothing out of it today. But instead, changing our mindset. If we're going to be living our lives for Christ, we ask questions instead like, hey, as I head to church today, how can I be an encouragement to someone else? And the, and the focus isn't on what am I going to get out of it. It's what am I going to give? How am I going to be an encouragement to someone else in the opportunities that I have at church today, whether it's in Sunday school or in the hallway between service? Another one, and this one's a really tough one. All right, you thought those were tough. Instead of asking, what could I do in my spare time that would make me happy? This is a big one, isn't it? I find myself in this trap all the time. Man, I just want an hour to myself so I can watch some football. <laughs> or do whatever it is that you like to do. We've all got our hobbies. They take different shapes and forms. Things that give us a sense of enjoyment, recreation. But instead of that being our first question, what if it was, what could I do in my spare time that would make God happy? What would He have me do in my spare time that would please Him, that would serve Jesus? And I'm not suggesting that he never wants you 
to go fishing <laughs> or something like that. But it changes the perspective, doesn't it? Because our tendency is our spare time is for us. That's my time. But what if it was God's time, first and foremost? Can you imagine what our world would be like if those who claim to be followers of Christ begin changing those questions like that? I mean, on a personal level, can you imagine what it would look like in your home if on a regular basis you started asking the question of what could I do to make my spouse happy or my parents happy? And can you just, just dream a little bit about how that might change the whole dynamic of your home over time? Because everyone knows when mama's happy, everybody's happier, right? <laughs> this is common knowledge. Imagine how things would be different in our churches if we all came here trying to encourage one another instead of just trying to be encouraged. Or leaders of our church. Imagine, you know, if we were busier trying to figure out how we could plan things to serve others and to serve our community and to show the love of Christ in a very visible way. If we were busier about that than we were about figuring out what we would enjoy doing for ourselves, you know, in our church. There has to be some balance there and, and the focus has to be in the right place. And imagine what it would look like as we continue to get our focus straight on that. More and more. That's a, that's a journey we never stop on as individuals or as a church. Imagine what our whole world would look like if believers started seeing their spare time, their extra time, as God's time. And started asking, what could I do to serve God and people with my spare time? Instead of clinging to it for ourselves. I think our whole world would be turned upside down, don't you? I think our homes would be better places. Our churches would be friendlier places. A lot of good things would come of that. And you know what else I think? I think you and I would surprise ourselves in that we would find a sense of purpose and meaning that we never found while we were trying to do it for ourselves. See, we have a choice. Ultimately, it's all a choice of whether we're going to keep trying to do it the way the world has always said to do it and yet which has never ever led to a true sense of fulfillment and purpose for anyone, even the most successful people in our world. We, can look at, we don't have to look all the way back to Solomon, do we? To find successful people who don't have any sense of meaning and purpose and fulfillment in their life. Just look in the news. But we have a choice to try it Jesus' way. And his way, he says, as paradoxical, backwards, upside down as it sounds, if you'll just live your life for me, he says, you'll finally find that purpose, 
that sense of fulfillment in your life that you never found when you were trying to live it for yourself. You'll find a life of light because I am the light of the world. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you give us a choice. Thank you that you taught us this truth that I'm not sure we would have ever discovered on our own, God, because like we said, our inclination is we're out to live life for ourselves. That's the sinful nature within us. But Jesus, you said, I am the light of the world. And if you'll follow me, you'll find a life of light. And oh God, how we crave that life of light. We've all known moments of darkness. We all have friends and family who've known moments of darkness. Where it felt like life had no meaning left. God, help us to find our purpose in you. Our sense of fulfillment and meaning in you. Help us to change the questions. So that we're not focused on ourselves all the time, but on others and on you. And God, we ask that you come through on your promise, as we know you will. As we have faith that you will. That when we live our lives for you, we'll truly find meaning and purpose that we were lacking before. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.